right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 13. I'm going to do something I normally don't do. I'm going to preach a topical message on what in the world is the United States going to do now. That's a subtopic, but it's really the topic. What are we to do now? What are we to do now? And um, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to get political, uh, but I will be politically correct, amen, because I'm going to be biblically correct. But um, I'm going to tell you what this election has shown. It has shown more about the character of the United States than the candidates. It showed us a whole lot more about our country than the candidates. Uh, when um, uh, you vote for a candidate that uh, endorses abortion, even a few minutes after they come out of the womb, um, that's ungodly. That's abomination. And uh, what disturbs me is many Christians, so-called Christians, have um, voted that way in this election. And so we've got a problem in the United States of America. It's called sin. And there's only a few solutions, and there's only one solution, and that's that the people that call themselves Christians ought to act like it and be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you about five things that I think we ought to do as Christians. Uh, to uh, save this nation. What should we do now? And before I preach, I'd like to do this. I would like to have special prayer for some men of God that would love to be preaching tonight. And they're very sick, Brother Wayne Henderson, uh, Leslie's daddy, and Debbie's. Um, he's on the last mile of the way. I'd like us to pray for uh, Tommy Kreider, his dear wife, Mary Lynn, very sick with COVID. Wesley Morrison is sick. He won't admit he's sick, but he's sick with that COVID. Um, we need to pray for uh, uh, Carl Brazel, 83 years old, brother. 83 years old, great man of God. Uh, was past, pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. And Brother Al and Miss Trudy Ray, was raised under him. And uh, his dear wife, Shirley, has the COVID. So there's a lot of people that are sick that like to be preaching tonight. They'd love to be behind this pulpit. I don't take it for granted. And so I think we ought to pray for them, have special prayer for these men of God and their wives uh, before I say, read one verse. So let's, let's agree together that God would help them. Uh, some are in ICU, some are in very critical shape. Uh, Marilyn Kreider has all these ladies meeting that you ladies have enjoyed many years. She's very sick. And we need to pray for them. And uh, Brother Wayne Henderson uh, would love to be here preaching. If he was able, I'd invite him to preach tonight. But he can't preach because he's on the last mile of the way. And so we, we need to pray for him. We need to pray for the families, okay? Father God, thank you for help. Thank you for strength. Thank you for grace to preach. Thank you for your word to preach. And God, sometimes we take it for granted. And Lord, I know we take for granted the problem in the United States of America. And it's a sin problem. It's a problem with Christians that say they're Christians and vote for such abominable things as same-sex marriage and abortion. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that they would get saved. And God, that we would realize that um, this election has told us a lot about our country. And Lord, we need help. I thank you for the seed. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the salt. I thank you for our church. Lord, we're not beyond reproach. I know that we've got to grow and we've got to get closer to you. 
And Lord, I just know this, as this has told me, that our nation needs revival more than ever. And so, Lord, please help us. Help us, dear God, to come back to you as a nation, no matter what it takes, for our will to break and our selfishness to be dethroned. And Lord, I do pray for the upcoming election in January. God, you'd help us vote for righteousness and not vainglory. Lord, I apologize for this country spending billions of dollars on a campaign to try to buy votes, advertise votes, and Lord, the world's going to hell and never heard the gospel. We need more missionaries. And so, Lord, help us as a nation to send out more missionaries. Before we send out more missionaries, God help us to have revival personally. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. James Vernon McGee uh, said this, and I believe him. I think he's in heaven now, so y'all, when y'all get there, y'all verify it. But he said, 11 out of the 14 emperors of Rome were either homosexuals or bisexuals. They were perverted, wicked leaders. And I'm not comparing them to anybody else, but I'm just saying this. The only way America is going to ever go down, I don't think an outside enemy is going to take us down, is that we destroy ourselves like the Roman Empire. And so, folks, this message is dead serious, is that we need to do something. We need to do more than we're doing as far as getting the gospel to a lost and dying nation and, and individuals. Um... We're letting this, uh, uh, these inner cities go to hell. They have, no, they have no, no, no churches downtown Atlanta. The last one was Brother Gary Ledford's, and now that's gone, practically. Uh, we need churches in Los Angeles and New York. The only way we're going to turn the tide is we've got to get, we've got to plant churches out west and in the big cities. Because they're wicked. They're wicked. They're liberal. And they're run by a bunch of politicians that don't care about standards based on the Word of God. So now that I've got that off my heart, I feel a whole lot better. But I don't feel a lot better about what we need to do as a nation. So I want you to look at, your, at the Word, stand on the Word of God, Romans 13. We're going to read verses 11 through 14. It's going to be the briefest message I ever preached. Every time I say that, I go 45 minutes, so I'm sorry. I feel like a brief message is coming on. But I'm burdened. It says in that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Folks, that's the rapture. That's, that's ultimate salvation to get out of here. But look at this. It says the night is far spent. Dark day, isn't it? The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Key phrase there. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riotousness and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But here's the key for our nation. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh 
to fulfill the lust thereof. You may be seated. And we've already prayed, so I'm going to get right to preaching. I'm just going to give you four or five things, six or seven, real quickly, on what we need to do now. Number one, we need to be separated unto the gospel. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the first verse of this wonderful book on justification. And the Bible says in Romans 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. I want you to go over to verse 14, uh, please, of the same chapter. Um, For I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise, to the unwise. So as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Rome was wicked. They persecuted Christians. They used them as lampposts on the and the and the uh, orgy parties that they had. They uh, trampled them under under chariots and they and they uh, sold them on the auction block and they had to hide in the catacombs. But Paul said, "None of these things move me. Need count my life dear to myself." He said, "I'm going anyway because I'm pressed in the spirit to do what? Run for office? To be a politician? No, I don't think so. And God bless you, Christian politicians in our church." Well, he said this in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Unto salvation, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And therein is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as written, the just shall live by faith. You know, there's nothing that's more powerful than seeing someone get saved by the grace of God after being presented the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ. See, what's so wonderful about the gospel, it's not the gospel of Wayne, and it's not the gospel of Baptist Church, it's the gospel of Christ. The origin's very important. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I see the outcome is so very important. It says, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. Now folks, the Bible says that Paul was separated unto the gospel. That means this. He just felt like he needed to tell everybody. He was saved by the grace of God. He was in debt to Jesus saving his soul. And so he got consumed, constrained, pressed in the spirit to go to a heathen place called Rome and bring them the power of God, which is the gospel. Folks, we must start giving the gospel out to a sinful world. Faith unto faith. The just shall live by faith, but it's revealed from faith to faith. Folks, we need, our only hope for America is salvation of souls. The only hope for America is that the power of God would be more important than the power of money and the power of politics and the power of this and the power of that and the the power of fame and fortune. Folks, the power of God is the gospel, so we must be separated unto it. Now, I know that a lot of people don't, don't get this because you don't hand out a gospel track in a week's time. Uh, you don't live the gospel. You don't have the fellowship of the gospel. This is what this is. This is the fellowship of the gospel. It's faith in the gospel, and it's the furtherance of the gospel as we are separated unto it 
God's called us like a good soldier, separated to a cause. Then number two, it, what should we do? We ought to be spirit-filled. This very simple message. Just a few points, no point. We ought to be spirit-filled. Folks, there is no way on this earth that America is going to come back to God until there's some spirit-filled preaching that's uh, flaming evangelists and missionaries are being sent to America from other countries and pastors and preachers that will preach with power. Power. The Bible says in Acts 1-8 that you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost and you'll be witnesses. Where? First of all, at home, in Jerusalem. Folks, listen, if we lose America, we're going to lose a lot of missionaries. This church falls apart. Folks, you know, uh, the missionaries are going to lose their support. We need to be spirit-filled Christians witnessing to a lost and dying world that seems to have lost its way. Seems like it's lost its bearing. Uh, what's important? Folks, it's insanity. Uh, there's rioting in the streets, but folks, more detrimental than rioting in the streets, unless you're a shop owner or a store owner, is the truth is fallen in the streets, as Isaiah said. Folks, the truth is not proclaimed like it used to be. You used to have uh, Whitfield and Moody, Spurgeon. Praise God, people come over here and, and uh, preach. Wesley had to be pried out of a saddle, a Methodist now, because he, he would travel on a horseback so long to get to his next camp meeting that they'd have to pry him out of the saddle. They said he rode over 250,000 miles in America on horseback. Some of us wouldn't drive 25 miles out of our way to give the gospel to somebody. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, friend, our nation is going to the hell by the acre, and the only hope they got is the gospel. We need to be separating the gospel, but we need to be spirit-filled to deliver the gospel. Say amen. Folks, we can't do it on our own. I don't care how much personality or speech ability you have. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Until the anointing of God is upon somebody, you're in trouble. We need to have the Holy Ghost power to witness. And we need to have Holy Ghost boldness. We need to have Holy Ghost control and compassion when we witness. And sometimes we won't even hand out a track. When you're spirit-filled, you actually bring the convictor to somebody. Look at John chapter 16, wonderful verses on the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to give you these. I'm not going to go in detail about it. You'll be out of here before supper. Um, John chapter uh, 16, I believe it is, yes. John chapter 16, verse 7. 16, verse 7. I should have marked it. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Verse 7. It is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus speaking. He says, when I go away, because if I, if I do not go away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. The comforter, paraclete, means come alongside. It's like Jesus coming back, amen? And listen to this. When he is come, the comforter, the Holy Ghost, who abides in you, amen, if you're saved, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. 
I'll tell you what, the only hope for America in the inner cities and in the, in the countryside and every family is the gospel. But it's the gospel accompanied by the Holy Spirit. It's the convictor. Folks, listen, you can talk to your blue in the face to a person about their sins. If the Holy Ghost didn't say amen, you're in trouble because they think they're okay. And they don't think they're bad as the murderer or the, uh, the adulterer. They think they're okay because they're measuring their life in the wrong standard. And folks, when the Holy Ghost uh, starts convicting somebody, we fall short of the glory of God. And then thank God, thank God, thank God, if you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, that when we, when we have the Holy Spirit full and overflow in our life, the restrainer shows up. The restrainer shows up. I'm concerned about our country. It's gone crazy. Uh, I saw a sign, uh, and I didn't watch it, but I saw just a little of it, and uh, there was a sign saying, now sanity is restored. Because they were celebrating, saying, I want to tell you something, it's insanity to kill a baby. It's heartless. It's heathen. A baby has a right to live. And I won't back down from that truth because God said in Psalms 139. But our nation doesn't believe it. But I'll tell you what they'll believe if the Holy Ghost gets a hold of them. Hey, they'll believe it when the convictor shows up, but also they'll, they'll believe it when the restrainer shows up. You know, some people think because we're uh, saved and, and Baptists and we believe in eternal life that we can live any way we want to. But I want to tell you something. Number one, you don't want to. But number two, you're restrained too. The Holy Spirit begins to take peace away from you. Look at verse 7 of, of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That's the rapture. Folks, no wonder all hell's going to break out during the tribulation because the restrainer's going to be gone. Folks, only the Holy Spirit's holding our lives together. It's only by the Holy Spirit that you're convicted, but you're restrained. And then thank God, thank God, when you show up spirit-filled, the revealer shows up. I like this point. It's about the only positive point I've got in this message, so I'm going to smile while I preach it. In John 16, verse 13, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I should have went to there while I was in that chapter. But John 16, 13, the Bible says this. John 16, 13. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he, the Holy Ghost, will glorify me, Jesus, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Holy Spirit never speaks of himself, he just speaks of Jesus. He's the lifter of the soul, but he's the intercessor for Jesus. He makes Jesus real. And so, folks, I don't believe America really believes God's real. I don't believe they're going to have to, uh, I don't think they believe they're going to give account to God one day. But I want to tell you something. The most wicked sinner on this earth gets saved. The convictor comes in to reside. Praise God, the restrainer comes in. And they don't do everything they used to do. There's a new life, a new power. A new want to. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, but all things come new. And I'll tell you, one of those things is you don't, you don't want to live like you used to live. And then the revealer. 
Folks, if we're ever going to have revival, we must be separated under the gospel and filled with the Spirit, and then we need to remain steadfast, number three. Remain steadfast. And this is where the church comes in. Folks, we need to encourage one another. I'm glad church is on today. I'm glad that we can have church tonight. I'm glad I could have such a wonderful time in the Dickens meeting. I was so low and so tired and so give out and so stressed out when I walked in this place. It was pathetic. I thought I was backslidden. I got in there praying with our deacons for people that hadn't showed up in six months and got a burden for them. And we was praying together and weeping together and concerned about others. Boy, my spirits were lifted and I was encouraged and strengthened. The Bible says that's exactly what a church ought to do. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I told you it's going to be a topical message, but it'll be biblical. You can preach, you can preach both. It's, it's okay. Amen. But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, the Bible says this. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another. Isn't that great? That we can be in a place of consideration. We can be in a place of love. We can be in a place of joy. We can be in a place of peace. We kid around a lot, but you know, you know what we think of each other. We appreciate each other. We love each other. We love to be in each other's presence. We're the family of God. We're not only the family of God, we're soldiers for Christ. We're fellow laborers, but we're fellow soldiers. If you want to get close to somebody, go to battle with them. Amen. But it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We ought to provoke some people around here to love. Your life ought to provoke people to good works. And the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of of some is, but exhorting one another, there's that word again, encouraging one another, so much the more as we see the day reproaching. You should not forsake the assembling of yourselves, ourselves together. This place is safer than Walmart. Say amen. This place is more necessary than Walmart. And this place is cleaner than Walmart. And folks, Walmart's not essential, but church is essential. We ought to guard it, protect it. We ought to attend it. We ought to pray for each other. And we ought to be steadfast and encouraged. Encouraged. I read this Wednesday night, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I just jotted down some verses this afternoon that I just wanted to highlight my soul to encourage me to do what's right now that all this has fallen out, but I believe for the furtherance of the gospel and to be, make us more like Jesus. But 2 Timothy 3. You know, verses 1 through 7 is bleak about the last days, perilous times, lovers of their own self, covetous boasters, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. That's where we live. If that doesn't describe America, I don't know what does. Without natural affection. Folks, men kissing men after they say, I do, that's sickening. You call it what you want to, and I'll pray, it's probably going to get worse in months to come. And there'll probably be some, some repercussions for this kind of preaching. But I don't really care 
Because I want to tell you something, it is abomination to God for men to marry men and women to marry women. If you voted for that, you need to get right with God. And I'll say this and say it kindly. Without natural affection means you love your children, your children love you. Amen. You honor your parents. Without natural affection means that, friend, you let a baby live instead of killing him on the altar of career. Folks, I tell you, a woman's right ends when she becomes pregnant. That baby needs to live. If you don't want that baby adopted out, there's thousands of families that want a baby. Say amen. You say, are you mad? I'm mad at sin, but I hope I love the sinner. But the Bible says all this list of things, you see it. But then I want you to see in verse 14 what it says. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a child he was taught in the Holy Scriptures. And in verse 16 it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. And folks, we need the breath of God upon our nation. So the only way to do that is take the Word of God to them. Amen? Publish it. Spend some money on uh, campaigning for Jesus. Put up some billboards with the Word of God on it. But most important of all, go to people with a track in your hand or the Word of God in your hand and live and be separated under the gospel. But it goes on to say, but continue thou, and then it says Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine. That's what is right. For reproof, what is not right. For correction, how to get right. And then I love this, for instruction of righteousness. That's how to stay right. So folks, in these last perilous days, I want to just give you one word. Continue. Continue. Continue in the word. Continue in fellowship. Hey, continue being faithful. But most indeed, continue to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Folks, don't let these six families be your proxy out of personal witnessing. God's called you to be a witness on your street. God's called you to be a witness on your job. God will send people by on purpose. Yesterday morning, I was deep study because I was having a hard time with this passion of this passage, and I hope you didn't notice it. I hope I had liberty this morning. But I was having a hard time with it, very hard time. You ever studied a passage and you said, I think I'll just skip through that and call it introduction. Amen. Go to 13 where everything's simple. And somebody knocked on the door. My wife was in her pajamas. It was early. And she said, you've got to go to the door. I said, well, I, I'm studying, but I'll go to the door. And I ran to the door, and there was this young guy, and he said, I'm changing your meter." I said, you're doing what? He said, I'm changing your whole meter. I said, okay, buddy, have at it. He said, do you mind being out of power for 10 seconds? I said, that'll be fine with me. If it's a better meter, maybe it'll bring my bill down. Go right ahead, buddy. I walked in there and timed the guy. It took him seven seconds. Then I said, my goodness, God wants me to witness to him. He needs the gospel. I ran out there. I had my pajamas on too, amen. I'm like W.A. Crizzle, staying in your pajamas to, to uh, noon while you're studying. No, I was in my gym, gym, gym uh, uh, jogging, uh, jogging pants. I don't know why they call them jogging pants. I ain't jogged a mile in my life. But anyway, um, 
And so I ran out there, and he was getting in his truck, and I ran out there, and I said, you know something? You did a fine job. You did it in seven seconds. He smiled. He's the nicest guy. And I said, listen, I want to give you something. Speaking of power, God changed my life with this message. And we'd love to have you come be our honored guest. And he said, thank you, sir. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. He didn't get saved, but I want to tell you something. He left there with the power that was greater than North Georgia Electric Membership Corporation. Amen. He left with a meter that's going to track him down and convict his soul. And I believe that young man's going to get saved. I really do. He's a sharp-looking man. He might have been a preacher for all I know, but praise God, he acted like he was grateful to get the gospel and I about missed it. Don't we get so busy we about miss it? Don't we get so preoccupied that we just about miss it? Folks, you ought to have your pockets full of the gospel and you ought to have a, a, the gospel of John and Romans and a new converts course in your car, packing it, just waiting for a divine appointment that God sets up. Folks, we've got to be steadfast. We need to continue. And then um, next, th uh, we need to be soldiers. We put on the whole armor of God. And that brings me back to my text. You didn't think I was going to get there. But Romans chapter 13, the Bible says this. It says, now it's high time to wake out of sleep. Folks, this is a challenge to get up and not just have a drill, but we're in a war. Folks, you're not just a soldier for Jesus. You're a warrior for Jesus. Some soldiers have never seen war. Thank God if you didn't. But I want to tell you something. We are in a war. And the last time I checked, the devil's having a heyday in a country that was established to worship him, God. And now they're worshiping the little G, God of this world. And they're worshiping their self. And they're even worshiping sin. And so we need to learn the weapons of our warfare. Here they are real quick. It says that our salvation is nearer than, than we believe. We need to put on the belt of truth. The truth is we're in, a, we're in a war. The truth is we have the gospel. The truth is, we're in the battle, and the battle's already begun. And I want to tell you something. If we don't wake up, this country is going to go down the tubes. If we don't wake up, it's going to get worse instead of better. If we don't wake up, uh, the good old South and Bible Belt's going to go down the drain. And I'm shocked at Georgia. I'm shocked at North Carolina. But I want to tell you something, folks. We ain't finished yet. And I'm not talking about political. I'm talking about we need to get on our knees and we need to go back to the local government and say, hey, listen, God wants this. I had a man come during the uh, tri-state and he shared what they're doing to, to try to keep casinos out of Georgia. I didn't even know they were coming in. Uh, the religious liberty bill, they're fighting for that. They're like lobbyists down there saying, this is what God wants, Governor. And it's working. And we better have it in this day and age, especially who we got in leadership up there. Folks, we got to have a fight for our religious liberty. We need to keep it free, amen? Preach what you want to and don't worry about the consequences. It's going to start on a local level.
It's going to start on the church level, on the prayer level. Let me hurry. I'm just going to close. It says this. It says, the night is far spent, and the day is at hand. The truth is, we're in a war. The truth is, we must lift high the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of Satan. The truth is, we need to be shod with the gospel of peace. And folks, in the Bible days, they had cleats as soldiers had cleats because if they ever left the ground, their head was chopped off. They had to be sturdy. And Paul looked at this guard in Ephesians chapter 6 and says, that's the gospel. That's stability. That's surety. That's standing firm. And folks, if we can stand firm on anything, we ought to stand firm on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that saved our soul. Don't waver. We're in a warfare. It says this, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. There's a Bible event in the Old Testament where somebody substituted the gold shields for just regular old metal. Brass, I think it was. And when the sun hit those, uh, the brass Shields, it would not reflect the glaring light. And folks, when they, put, put the, when they put the gold to it, those shields were glowing light. I want to tell you something, folks. We need to put on the armor of light. The best defense is a good offense. And folks, we need the glorious light of the gospel radiating through our soul. We need the light of his presence. Folks, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And simply summed up, it says, let us walk honestly as of the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering wantonness, not in strife and, and envy. The devil wants to get us off target. The devil wants us to start fighting each other. But look at this. It says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Folks, we need to hide in Jesus. We need to be a soldier that knows its rank, stay in your place. But folks, put on the whole armor of God, and that's the armor of light. And that's the putting on Jesus Christ and folks letting the him flow and, and glow and work and live through your life. What are we to do now? I'll tell you what we're to do. We're to shine. We're to be the salt. And I'll close with this. I got several more, but I'll just close with this one. We need to be sanctified. We need to stay sanctified. What's the word sanctified means? It means set apart. When I think about sanctification, I have an unusual verse that comes to mind. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew 5, 14, real quick. I'll finish this some other time. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, folks, this is the only hope for America. This is the only hope for America. I'm convinced this is the only thing that we ought to be concerned about uh, today. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Folks, it's a sanctified purpose that God's given us. It says, but if the salt has lost its savor or flavor, wherewith shall you be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of man. You just, you just, you just, you just like pavement. That's what they used, salt that lost its savor or flavor. They just put it on the roads because weeds can't even grow through salt. 
Folks, I want to tell you something. We're more than uh, some trampled, trodden soul under the men of, of the foot of man or the foot of the devil. We're more than conquerors. And praise God, we ought to be salt. We ought to be sanctified. We ought to be set aside by the truth, John 17, 17. Folks, not bland. We shouldn't lose our testimony. We shouldn't cow down to the world. We shouldn't blend in. We ought to be salt. Salt. Salt makes a difference. It preserves. Salt makes a difference. It sure tantalizes the taste buds. Amen. I don't eat salt because of my blood pressure problem. And really, I don't think it's salt. I think it's pastoring that's giving me this blood pressure problem. Only kidding. But I'll tell you this, friend. My wife loves salt. And I always tell her, I said, man, if you ever get blood pressure, you're not going to eat all this salt. But she likes, she just pours it on there. We got a salt shaker. Praise God, you don't even have to, you don't even have to shake it. You just lean it and phew, there it goes, you know. And I want to tell you something. Friend. You put so much salt on something, you can't even taste the something or know what, identify the object. But I want to tell you something, friend. That's not the problem with the local church today. And that's not the problem with the average Christian today. The problem with the average Christian today is we've lost our saltiness. I'm going to tell you one more thing about salt. There's a big old black preacher. I'm going to have a good black preacher come up here in a, in a few weeks. Teenager. He's a soul winner. He's been begging to come up here and pray. I said, praise God, come on. We'll work you in as soon as I preached Brother Jeremy. But his name was Reuben Fields. Big old guy. Huge. And what I remember about him, Brother Randy, is he had the littlest New Testament in his hand I've ever seen in my life. A big old guy wore a double-breasted black suit. He was trying to be Lee Robinson. And man, he'd preach with that accent. And he said, I'll never forget it, he said, you know something about salt? You just get one little speck in your eye, and you know it's there. <laughs> I said, glory to God, that's a good illustration. Folks, they ought to know we're here. Hey, we don't have to go out on the streets and break in somebody's store. The other day, they started rioting when they thought our president was going to win. I mean, they had no reason to riot, but it was, you know, it was, it was shopping time, I guess. They got to put off their shopping for a couple more weeks. Pathetic. It's an excuse for crime. It's looting. It's violence. And folks, the truth's falling in the street, and we're acting like heathens. Quote me on that. And folks, I want to tell you something. We don't respect each other's property, but I want to tell you what we need to do. We don't need to go out on the streets and riot. What we need to do is be salt in somebody's heart. We need to love people more than ever. We need to be kind to people more than ever. We need to pray for people more than ever. We need to go to people that are dying in their sins and are so lonely and so scared of this pandemic and take them the glorious light of the gospel and what will do that is being sanctified to be the salt. But let me show you this too. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that's set up on a hilltop cannot be hid. I want to tell you the sanctification of a light where you can be seen. I don't think we ought to be exhibitionists, but I don't believe we ought to be so inhibited by the world that we never go knock on the door, that we never go and talk to people in the funeral homes about Jesus, that we never run down the meter man and say, this message changed my life. 
I'm not patting myself on the back because I about missed it. Folks, listen, it's a dark world out there. And if we don't sanctify ourselves in a position of influence and love and joy and peace, the world's not going to notice you. And I want to tell you something, the greatest time to be noticed is when everything is dark when everything is bland, when everything is sad, and when all the Christians are giving up hope, and some people have already boycotted the church, saying, God, I'm mad at you for giving the election to the heathens. And I've had calls to that end. I've had people text my wife saying, why did God allow such sinners to get into leadership? And I want to say this. What we need is a city, a light, set up on a hilltop. We need a light that's firm and fixed. And we need a light that glows and, 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 and goes no matter how dark it gets. Folks, listen. This United States of America, one nation under God, needs us to shine more than ever in the history of To do, to do that, we must be set on a hilltop, set apart, separated under the gospel. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for what we need to do now. And that's yield more of our life to you. God, I want to be a witness this week. I want to be a light. I don't want to be inhibited by people's reaction. I don't, be, I don't want to be in, uh, intimidated by the devil and his crowd. But God, more than ever, I want to be a voice crying in the wilderness, but I want to be a city, a city set up on the hilltop. Glowing light, a lighthouse, a lighthouse. I want to be salt. I want to be the soldier. I want to be steadfast. I want to be spirit-filled and separated unto the gospel. What are we to do now? I believe more than ever we need to pray for our nation and to pray for our testimony and pray for our church and pray for each other. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know if you got anything out of this message. But I sure need it. I'm burdened for America. But I don't want to get so burdened that I get burdened down. I don't want to get so burdened that I move. Live like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. Have me say, preacher. Tonight, I want to do what God's called me to be. And I want to be a light. I want to be a salt. I want to be a testimony. I want to be an influence. And I want to win somebody to Jesus this week. I want you to pray with me and for them. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer all over this place? I got to raise both mine. I want to be a witness. When everybody's down and out, when everybody's griping and complaining, 
God didn't call us to sit down and whine. God called us to go out and shine. Father, use this message. Be glorified through it. Help us, God, to yield our lives separated unto the gospel for your glory. In Jesus' name.